0: your boredom apart. I have such sights for you to listen to about. Welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews and Halloween, my look at the first three hell of movies. Why only three of you are simple as these movies go on, the worse they get. From deep space to cyberspace, these movies go over the place, but none live up to the first three. Not even Henry Cavill and Lance Henriksen could save these movies. I haven't even saw the last one, but I have heard... It is truly awful, and that same something if Hellraiser Deader is in in this bunch and thought to be much much better. <laughs> but I'm not here to talk about the bad movies, I'm here to talk about the good ones. Starting with 1987's Hellraiser, coming from the twisted mind of Clive Barker, and in the height of slasher movie Heaven, with giants such as Freddy and Jason and battling battle out for supremacy, comes a new icon. And SM delights in Hell Priest leads and a bait, aka Pinhead. With a budget of six hundred thousand pounds, and mixed reviews comes a new horror fright, to scare the Catholics, starring Andrew Robertson, Claire Higgins, Ashley Lawrence, Sean Chapman, and Doug Bradley. All the plot, the twisted love story of Frank and Julia, comes to a head when he gets her to help her help him rather, escape hell and Cenobites, guardians of hell and pleasure and pain. Now before I crack open the shiny new blurry of this, I want to say this up front, I am not a fan of Hellraiser or Pinhead. I prefer my horror to come from suspense, thrills, ghosts and goblins, not blood, guts and gore. I will however put aside my disdain for this and just this movie as it is for what it is even. I have of course saw all of these movies apart from the very last one as I said as my partner is a huge Harry's a fan so I had to watch them no matter bloody what. I have also saw these movies at uh, the first three that is in a packed cinema for a Halloween horror all-nighter back in 2003. Anyway, Onto the movie, which was supposed to be brought to us by Virgin Movies, however they pulled out once they learned of the subject matter. So it was brought to us by New World Pictures for a tiny budget of six hundred thousand pounds, or about a million dollars. The movie opens up on the haunting lullaby theme, which is right up there with Nightmare Piano Theme, Jason's, <laughs> and Michael's Halloween theme. It then shows a small brass and wooden box, and an introduction to Frank, played by Sean Chaplin of Scum, multiple British TV shows and video games. For the pompous twat to take him across in his special features, he hasn't really done much, as he buys the box from a street peddler. Then onto a dark room, where Frank sits in a square surrounded by candles, and plays with the small box, fingering it, pressing everything, looking for a way to open it as hell's warning bell chimes. Suddenly it starts to move itself and open as Frank presses a button, chains with hooks spring out and embed himself into his flesh as a door to hell flies open. Onto a large house on the outskirts of London as we get a look around the home we see it has had a squatter as the place is trashed and we see dozens of beer cans, vodka bottles, foods. Bloody everything scattered over the place, the place of crawling with cockroaches, rats, etc., etc. In the attic bedroom, we see a female Sandabout walking around the room of chains and barbed wire as body pieces are screwed all over the floor. The female Sandabout is played by Grace Kirby, who, according to the behind scenes on the Blu ray, hated everything about this movie and the costume she wore, which was made of heavy leather. She also hated how she felt in the costume and in the makeup, hence why she never returned for any of the movies. As she puts together a face from the pieces of torn apart flesh, we see another cinnabate hell priest or pinhead played by Doug Bradley of Pretty much Bo- Well, this franchise, and that's about it. He picks up the box and slowly and carefully seals it back up. The room then turns back to being an empty room of one soul. Light bulb swinging as a camera glides around a dusty, dirty, spiderweb-infested house. We hear a key turning in the front door lock. Once it opens, we are introduced to Larry, played by Andrew Robinson, of Dirty Harry, Cobra and multiple other cult movies, and Deep Space Nine. We are also introduced to his wife, Julia, played by Claire Higgins, of Golden Compass, A Fantastic Fear of Everything, and multiple British TV shows and stage shows. As they tour the empty and abandoned house, they find the place has been trashed and they find Frank's things. She's a bit of a yuppie and he's a bit of a snob. She's mad at him for leaving New York, but he wants to start a new life in England. The home telephone rings and why would this still be bloody working as the house has been empty for over 10 years? Mm. It's Larry's daughter, Kirsty, played by Ashley Lawrence, of all these movies and nothing much else, telling him she has found a room in town and will not be moving in with them. As Julia looks through frank's things of pictures of him with dozens of women larry tries to talk kirsty into moving in with him and his wife but she's having none of it as julia's a bit of a bitch and indeed an evil stepmother type onto larry moving in as julia unwraps their things larry struggles to get a mattress up the narrow staircase and snags his hand on a rusty nail and note doug bradley was supposed to play one of these removal men but he was given pinhead at the last minute and look for him, an icon, and indeed his career was born. Cut to Kirsty, walking at the docks in high eighties fashion. Should have a drandrai music video. Hmm? She arrives at the house, finding Larry has thrown out all the religious icons from the house. Upstairs in a bedroom, Julia tears a photo of Frank in two, cutting out the girl in a fit of utter jealousy, onto a flashback of Frank and his badly dubbed over voice. And this is indeed the first time he met Joyer. Gotta ask, what is it with this movie and the glare come off the jewelry? It's highly noticeable. And indeed, not a shit on me in the cinema, it's even more noticeable, noticeable even. On this shiny 4K transfer, Julia checks out the rest of the house going into the attic bedroom with peeling wallpaper, rising damp and exposed walls. She has another flashback of Frank. As Frank crops Julia, uh, they two have sex on top of the wedding dress, classy. While Julia is having her wet daydream, Larry cuts his hand open on a rusty nail. stumbling out at to attic, dripping blood everywhere, Larry looks for looks to Julia for help but she looks at him with utter disgust and disdain as Larry whimpers he's going to be sick the blood soaks into the floorboards and this gives birth to a skinless frank as his heart beats under the floorboards it soon splits open and the skinned frank with no muscles and indeed just a skeleton screams to life and note this was shot in reverse using fast burn fast burn wax ky jelly and condoms all things Ew, and a cheap plastic skeleton that night, while hosting a dinner party, Joyer looks bored as Larry tells his guests about his hospital visit and indeed the multiple stitches in his hand. Julia excuses herself to go to bed, but hears creaking in the attic, so up she goes to investigate finding Frank's skeleton with barely any muscle or flesh, and indeed with no skin. i got to say, for a cheap puppet, this looks really good. Frank asks her for help, so he can be fully reborn, and I guess they can continue on with their affair. Later at night, Kirsty is getting walked home by her boyfriend, as in a dark alleyway, she sees some bum that sold Frank the box, hmm, watching her from a dark corner. Much later at night, Juliet is laying awake in bed, thinking about what Frank asked her. Also, we get another flashback of yet more sex. She then goes up to the attic and agrees to help Frank. Kirsty is then shown having a nightmare of being in a room with a baby crying, white dove feathers flying everywhere, and a body under a bloodied white sheet. What the fuck, Clive Barker? Her boyfriend, Steve, played by Robert Hines of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, wakes her up, and she quickly calls her dad to warn him, but he just thinks it's a bad dream, and what the fuck? Cut to the next morning, and Julia is now on a prowl looking for a man which she picks up in a yuppie bar, takes home with her and kills with hammer blows to the head and then just feeds the body to Frank. Ok, I get this guy is drunk and or horny, but why would you want to have sex in a nasty room with peeling more people exposed walls and rising damp, not to mention multiple crawling rats? With blood in her hands and a desire in her eyes, she goes off to the bed to the bathroom even, to wash herself as Frank feasts on a dead body. She returns to the room and sees what Frank has done with the body, i.e. skin and drain it. We now see Frank with tissue, muscle and blood vessels, oh, and he's now played back and put with a different actor, Smith of multiple British TV shows including Doctor Who and The Bill. And note, he's wearing a full bodysuit made mostly of latex from condoms and KY jelly. Also, if a few drops of blood brings him back from hell, then why does he need multiple bodies and Larry's skin to be reformed? Surely a whole body of blood tissues and etc. would be able to bring back Frank, but no. Larry returns home early, so Julia has to hide the dead body. And by the way, wouldn't you smell that? Also, wouldn't Frank reek to high heaven with having no skin and the exposed guts and etc. But moving on. What I never got about this movie is why Julia would throw everything away for a cheap fuck well, from a douchebag like Frank who's up self-obsessed swipe. She seems to have everything she ever wanted and a loving adoring husband, a good lifestyle and a great job. So why would she go on a killing free for the sadistic Frank? Surely he's not that great a fuck. In the attic... Frank tells Julia she's running out of time as the Cenobites will be hunting for him soon. So she must kill more men. On to Kirsty's job in a pitch door store, store, even where she sees the bum from the, the night before and she chases him from the store after he eats a handful of crickets. Later at night, and victim number two for Julia and Frank. I love how Frank is still supposed to be skinned, yet he has fingernails and indeed earlobes. Hmm, interesting. Julia returns. To Frank to demand an explanation and here he tells her about the box and the Cenobites and yes you've guessed it another bloody flashback to Frank being toyed with by the Cenobites including Chatter played by Nicholas Vince and Butterball played by Simon Bamford. Note Chatter is a creature with no eyes and only a huge chattering set of teeth and Butterball is a fat man dripping with grease wearing sunglasses because his eyes have been stitched up Get okay then both the actors were blind and could barely hear due to the amount of latex they had on their heads. So, with Frank hung upside down, he's toyed with by hook chains and then torn apart. Joe then runs from the room in utter disgust. With Larry watching boxing on TV, Julia watches with cold, dead eyes. As upstairs, Frank punches the wall in disgust for some reason. Hearing this, Larry investigates, finding the attic room empty and with living rats nailed to the wall he goes back downstairs into their bedroom and starts to make out as frank goes into the closet at him with his flick knife julia begs him no but frank just skins a rat alive freaking julia out causing larry to stop and leave in a huff just leaving around the bedroom okay what the fuck clive barker on to a dinner with larry telling kirsty his problems with julia has followed him from New York, so she's an erotic bitch then. Okay then, back at the, Except how could the hell can you not tell she's up to something as there's multiple bodies piling up and the stink must have been disgusting. But apparently she's that's not this much of an erotic bitch that he doesn't realise. Oh, what a fuck, this just a fucking mess. Back at the house, Frank demands another body or he'll kill Larry. So off she goes for victim number three. This time, Kirsty sees this as Julia leads him upstairs to the attic to his death. Kirstie hears the screams and yet none of the neighbours have or indeed have reported to see multiple men entering this house but none are leaving or seeing the suspiciously body shaped bags and the trash or indeed the fucking smell. This was 1987, Thatcher's Britain, the nosy bastards were being curtain twitching galore. Jesus jinkies. <sighs> Christie enters the house silently but is stopped by the victim however Frank Kilson and then attacks kirsty she fakes back and grabs the puzzle box then checks out the window and runs for her life with it she faints in the street of utter exhaustion and is taken to hospital where she wakes from a dream of a flower in full bloom what the actual fuck clive barker the nurse runs off leaving her alone as the doctor comes in and forces her back into bed then quizzes about the puzzle box he just leaves her with it and walks off so she tinkers with it, and it opens itself, opening a door to hell in the wall, which she enters, leaving hearing a baby scream, she follows it deeper into the hallways of hell. She is chased by some sort of hell dog, scorpion, man, creature thingy, which according to many scenes is called an engineer. It chases her down the hallway, back to the hospital room, and a door slams shut just in a time. And note, the guy controlling this thing was the same guy that played chatter. Also note, you can see a grip pushing the bloody troll behind the creature, and indeed you can see the bloody troll, whatever, this was a fucking mess. Back in hospital room, christy plays with the box yet again, and calls forward the Cinnabites, and here we have a few of the 12 lines of dialogue, Pinhead speaks, the box, you opened it a came. Hey? Note Pinhead was supposed to be called, wasn't supposed to be called this rather, as in the script he was called the lead Cinnabite and Clive Barker wants to call him hell Priest, but the crew come up with Pinhead and it's stuck. Also note there was originally supposed to use pins but the camera couldn't pick it up so they used the 7 inch nails and boom an icon is born Kirsty begs not to be taken to Hell saying did they know Frank has escaped them and she can lead them to him. Back at the house Joyer wants to run off with Frank but he tells her he wants Larry's skin so, when he returns home, she leads him upstairs to the hospital where Steve finds Kirsty missing. As, quote, Larry comes downstairs, he has sex with Julia and how the fuck does that work if the skin is barely hanging on? <sighs> Kirsty returns home to warn her dad about the box, Cenobites and Frank's murderous intentions. Kirsty runs to her father's arms to tearfully warn him that Frank wants him dead and did she notice the fucking hairline or the fact that there's blood all over his core, and etc. for fuck's sake Kirsty doesn't believe quote, Larry killed Frank so Julia takes her up to the dead body and locks her in the attic, the Cinebit shop demanding the man who did this and Kirsty screams no, so she runs off only to be stopped by Julia she runs to quote Larry's arms and tries to take him with her, but he says to her, come to daddy she knows instantly this is Frank in Larry's skin, and scratches his face, ripping off his cheek. Again, they had sex, but this thing is barely hanging on. Also, Frank is very much more shorter and skinnier than Larry is, so wouldn't it be baggy and sire or oh, Who cares, this movie's awful. Julia holds Kirsty as Frank comes at her with a flick knife. However, Christie escapes and Julia gets it in the guts, so Frank drains her and runs off to kill Christie, who is now in the attic, hiding in the room Julia hid all the dead bodies in. Again, no one smelled these fucking dead bodies. Frank quote walks away, so Christie leaves room only for SURPRISE. Frank comes out of the murder room and grabs her. She tricks him into confessing, so Pinhead and Co show up, and the chains come out and rip his newly stolen flesh just before he ripped apart into teeny tiny easy to manage chunks he says the line jesus wept licking his lips sadistically which was supposed to be fuck you bitch but andrew robertson changed it last minute as Kirsty leaves frank blows up however the female cinebite wants to play with Kirsty some more Kirsty runs into the master bedroom finding julia's dead body with her face peeled back with chains holding the puzzle box so she managed to come back to life even though Frank drained her body and she's now, oh, whatever. Kirsty prizes the box from Julia's cold, dead hands and uses it to send Pinhead back to hell in all its cheap 80s computer lighting generated effects glory. And then the rest are next as a house starts to blow up. Behind her, Kirsty runs for her life. So with Steve showing up out of nowhere to help her out, they escape the house only to be attacked by the hellhound. Steve is quickly knocked out so Kirsty struggles with it and uses the box sending it back to hell. With the demons banished they run into the night and they try to burn the box but the bum that has been following her throughout the movie walks into the flames to retrieve the box turning it into a horned demon which cost the final £30 or £35 even and took 30 minutes to build. As a demon flies off with the puzzle box in hand it zooms out onto the box getting sold to someone else as credits roll. So that was Hellraiser, a nasty, disgusting, cheap slice of bad body horror that made an icon out of Pinhead even though he's on the screen for about 50 minutes and has 12 lines of dialogue. This isn't my cup of tea but if it is you're more power to your elbow mates. This doesn't work as a horror film, this isn't as nasty and as scary as it thinks it is. And indeed, if you want to do body horror, what is the matter with David Cronenberg? Hmm? Indeed. Anyway, I'm going to give this thing a piss-poor 3 fish hooks out of 10 to the flesh. Come back next week for my look at Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and then the rest of the month for Halloween. Wrapping up with my look at 1997's Stephen King's The Shining. November is bad video games, such as Street Fighter and... Tomb Reader, December is Fest of Funnies, and January is John Carpenter movies such as The Fog. So don't forget to leave a like, a follow, and comment on my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Email me movie suggestions to here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Also check out my other horror franchise podcasts of The Omen, Fly, Psycho, Resident Evil, and many more. Also my solo podcast of Scream Evil Dead 2, Donnie Darko, and many, a many more. And a bye-bye. Oh, and remember. If an old bum wants to sell you a puzzle box asking what's your pleasure, RUN!